0: Welcome to Bible Line, a ministry of Calvary Community Church. Our podcast is dedicated to the clear teaching of God's Word. We aim to help people find Jesus Christ and train believers through the study of the Bible. We would love to feature your questions on the show. You can email us at questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to calvaryoftampa.org forward slash donate. Catch new episodes every Thursday. We pray today's episode is a blessing to you. Alright, welcome back to Bible Line. I'm your host,
1: Pastor Jesse Martinez, and today we are answering the question, should I be hearing the voice of God? This is a great question. I do actually get this question quite a bit, and it really goes around the idea of what someone has heard in a charismatic church. So we need to talk about a couple of different things. The first thing I want to say is, you do not have to be hearing the voice of God. Now, if you look in the Old Testament, you see how God dealt with people in different ways by talking to them directly, but we're going to address that and why I think that that's no longer how God deals with us today. I want to be really clear. I'm not saying that God cannot speak to people, but we have to look at what is being said of God by these people, and is it lining up with what the Bible says? But before we get too far into our answer, let's clarify a little bit about this charismatic movement. So there are some teachers and preachers in the world today that rely heavily on a person's personal experiences with God as an indicator of how, quote, connected or, quote, spiritual that person is. And this movement is called the charismatic movement. It's not a new thing. It's been around since probably the 1960s. And I pulled this off of a website that I feel like does a really good job describing what it is this is on churchfinder.com if you look under denominations you'll see charismatics it says the charismatic movement began in the 1960s in mainline denominations such as Episcopal Roman Catholic Presbyterian and it has become one of the fastest growing movements in the church today and there's a reason for that because the charismatic movement relies heavily on personal experience things that are happening to people That manifest in front of other people, and it really becomes a show. And I think the gospel is completely silenced, and all the focus comes off of God and onto the individual. But I digress. I'll continue reading this definition here. Fundamentally, the movement shares many beliefs and practices with Pentecostal churches with some differences. Generally speaking, Charismatics believe The supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to all Christians today through the infilling or, quote, baptism of the Holy Spirit, end quote, as described in the New Testament scriptures, such as Acts chapter 2. Hence, the term that is used most commonly alongside people saying they heard the voice of God or they were slain in the Spirit or they were burdened in the Spirit is this term, spirit filled. So, in order for us to properly answer today's question, we have to do a review of these events in the book of Acts. So, let's go back a little further and look in John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17. This is when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Here's what it says. John 14, verses 16 through 17. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17. Even the Spirit of Truth, now this is a name for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. So this is a promise that was made to the disciples, the ones that Jesus was talking to here. I'm going to send the Comforter, the world's not going to be able to receive him yet, because it does not see him and does not know him yet but you're going to receive him first. He's going to dwell in you. Well, this happened in Acts chapter 2. Now, it's a lot of reading here, but I think it's very important that we go through Acts chapter 2 to properly understand the answer to today's question. Should I be hearing the voice of God? Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, here's what it says. And when the day of Pentecost was come, that was 10 days after Christ had ascended, the 40 days that he was here, that puts us at the 50th day. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there approached unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I want to make sure that there's an understanding here. I do not believe that they were speaking in an unknown, heavenly language that needed an interpreter. I think that they were able to speak in languages that people could understand. These were known languages. The miracle was they had no training in these languages, yet they were able to speak them clearly as the Spirit gave them utterance. Look at verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. So these people were hearing these individuals speak in their own language and they were amazed by it. Verse seven. And they were all amazed and marveled saying to one another, behold, are not all these which speak Galileans and how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born. Now look at all these regions that we see in verses nine, 10 And 11, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and in Cappadocia, in Pontus and Asia, in Phrygia and Pamphylia, in Egypt and in parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And verse 12 continues. It says exactly what was said in verse 7. And they were all amazed, and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others, mocking, said, These men are full of new wine. So then Peter gives a sermon right after this event, and it was a testimony of the claim that Jesus Christ was the Messiah that the Jews rejected. And he continues that all the way from verse 13 all the way into the verses in in the 40s. But I want to focus on, on Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 39 because this is what it all culminated to. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, this event that had happened of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the miracles that he had done, his apostles, it was a very well-known piece of history at this time. But many people were now heightened about this talk of Jesus Christ because he rose from the dead. And there was an act of rumor going around that the Pharisees and the Sadducees have put together that said, well, the, the disciples stole the body, but they're still going around saying that he is resurrected. And so now this event happens where it's not modern-day tongues like we see in the charismatic movement today. It's people are speaking in languages that are not their own languages, and the gospels being given. Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and I think they believed. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38, which is probably the verse that is taken out of context the most when it comes to charismatic movement or churches that teach that you have to to turn from sin in order to be saved. But here's what it says. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I think what this verse is saying is, and the, the interpretation of repent in the Greek proves this, it is a change your mind specifically about Jesus Christ, whom God hath made both Lord and Christ, as it says in verse 36, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Not be baptized so that your sins are forgiven, but be baptized because they've been forgiven. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So now when a person believes, they receive this gift of the Holy Ghost. And then in verse 39, Peter continues, For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And I think God has called everyone to get saved. What I mean by that is he has called everybody. He has given everyone an opportunity. He has called everyone by the lifting up of his son, the whole world has an opportunity to get saved. This is not talking about God's elect. Anyway, I digress. Why did we go over Acts 2 in such detail? Because we see here that being Spirit-filled is simply believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. You now have that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. As we talked about on last week's episode, once you're saved, you're saved forever. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 gives us that proof. So as you can see from the scripture, the gifts of the Holy Spirit were designed for people to, and you need to, need to make sure you take note of this, believe on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Tongues were the ability to speak in a person's native language and were to be used to the giving of the gospel so people would get saved. What is happening in charismatic churches today are terms that are supernatural and spiritual about an event in a person's life. And they begin to make that event a proof that they were saved. I think a lot of these things that people are experiencing are actually demonic. Because there's a very strong temptation in emotion, a call to emotion. You see somebody moved by something. I had a dream, or I heard the voice of God. Here's some phrases you'll hear. I was praying last night and felt the Spirit come upon me, and I had a vision, or Yesterday I was slain in the Spirit and spoke in tongues. Or maybe you'll hear, this morning I heard the voice of God speak so clearly to me. And it's important to understand, anything that is a claim to have been heard from God or the Holy Spirit must be validated by the Bible. There is no extra revelation. The Bible is complete. And why do we have to consider what the Bible says? Well, let's see what the Bible says about itself. Look in these couple of verses here. Psalms 138 and verse 2 says this, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. The word of God is magnified above his name. Consider John 1.1 and John 1.14. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the literal incarnation of the word of God. It is a title of his, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the word of God. So verse 14 again in John 1, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I want to focus on that word truth because earlier in John 14, 16 through 17, verse 17 said, even the spirit of truth. So this is a spirit, a Holy Spirit that has a person and identity that speaks of Jesus Christ, the word of God made flesh. So when you study your Bible, you're not studying a collection of material that was written simply by man from the thoughts and intents of man's heart you are reading god's word for man the bible in these verses that we see claims that jesus christ is the word of god and that word dwelt among us and now we have the bible completed now let's see what jesus himself says about his word in matthew 24 35 and mark thirteen thirty-one and Luke 21:33 it says heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away and the best explanation to today's answer in is in these verses 2 Timothy 3:16 through 17 says this all scripture is given by inspiration of god that phrase inspiration of god means god breathed and if we pair that with 2 Peter one twenty, where it says, No prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That phrase, moved by the Holy Ghost, in 2 Peter one twenty one and given by inspiration of God in 2 Timothy 3.16, both talk about how we got the Scripture. God spoke to these men, and they wrote down what he was saying. It wasn't, I don't believe it was a trance-like state. I believe that God allowed them to have their own personal writing styles. You can see that all throughout Scripture. But God used these men to communicate what he wanted the world to know about him, about sin, about judgment, and about righteousness, about his son. So let's continue in 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture, this is all inclusive from Genesis to Revelation, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for these four things, doctrine which is teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So anytime somebody says, well, I heard the voice of God, I always try to ask them, what did it say? And then if it says anything, contrary to what the Word of God already clearly says, I believe it's not from God. And this is why I think God no longer speaks to people that way. Can God do it? Sure. But I think he's done it more effectively through his Word. This is what he says about his Word. That it's, good for teaching, that it's good for edification, that it's good for correction, that it's good for instructing in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, mature, complete, and able to do good works. We don't have to depend on hearing God's voice to do good works. Listen, if you believed on Jesus Christ, if you've put your trust in him in in, in the death, burial, and resurrection as the payment for your sin, the Bible and the studying of the Bible— will help you do good works. You begin to walk in the spirit and you will no longer walk in the flesh. You'll still battle with that. But the word of God is what gives us the instructions, the path, the way to go. Now consider 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Verse 21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. This was not man's idea, man's thoughts, Man's intent, these guys coming together and say, hey, let's make this religion. We'll make a God this way. I mean, the scripture is without contradiction. There are supposed contradictions. We can get into that later. But they've all been proven out through the scripture itself. And that's why this book is so unique. But continue on the rest of that verse. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So Peter is saying here in Second Peter, there's no private interpretation of the scripture. This word of God did not come by the will of man. God spake it and they wrote it. Now, Peter advises us against the claims of those who say something which is not supported by God's word, like the statement that even led to today's question and is being fully supported in the charismatic movement. Look at 2 Peter 1 16 through 19. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Okay, Peter's speaking from experience here. What he's saying is, I'm not bringing you some fable, cunningly devised, a wicked imagination of who Jesus Christ is. We knew his power, and we know the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw him, verse 17, for he received from God the Father honor and glory, When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, that's an event that happened. That is an event that happened. And this is not proof that, well, you need to hear the same voice. No, Peter is actually staking his claim of authenticity about Christ. This is my beloved son. That happened in the Gospels, what was said about Jesus Christ. Verse 18, and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Verse nineteen. We also have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. And that's where we get to this, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Those four verses that we looked at before Second Peter verses, Second uh, Peter one verses twenty through twenty one are talking about there is a temptation cunningly devised fables that people are going to believe about something that God has said. The only way that we can verify if what a person heard from God is true is by God's word. And this is why I propose to you, instead of seeking to hear God's voice, read his words. Read his words. Those things that are already readily available to you. And I think it's amazing. It is always amazing to me that that's the last thing That people want to do is read your Bible. Just read it. Pray that the Lord opens your eyes and that you can discern truth from error and approach the scriptures and have a pencil and a piece of paper and take notes and write down your questions and find somebody that understands the gospel clearly to help answer your questions because they've been studying God's word too. I didn't write this verse down in my show notes, but in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, we have this great promise about the Holy Spirit. Look in verse 13, 1 Corinthians two thirteen, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth concerning spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto them. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, Yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? That's 1 Corinthians 2, verses 13 through 16. What do these verses tell us? A person who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ has that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which will help them understand the scripture. So if you find somebody, and this is why this podcast is so important, I've been studying the scripture seriously since 2011, and the Lord has walked me through through college and through many different experiences where I had to go to God's word and validate what I was hearing with what God's word said, that it has sharpened my ability to discern truth from error. Another verse that comes right to my mind in, in my reading this morning is in 2 Timothy 2, in verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Not listening for the voice of God, not waiting for some groundbreaking experience to happen to you. You do not have to hear the, the voice of God. You have his word. And there is a real temptation to wrongly divide the word of truth. And you have to be wise. You got to be real wise. Like it says in Ephesians, walking circumspectly. That means looking all around, being careful, because you can be deceived. And I think a lot of people are being deceived in charismatic churches today where there's a there's a real desire for someone to be like, well, I haven't heard the voice of God. Am I really saved? You know, I mean, they seem so much more spiritual. When in all reality... That's not a sign of spirituality. If anything, I believe it's a sign of spiritual immaturity. And maybe not even any spirituality at all. They might not even be saved because they may be trusting in them hearing these things as works to show that they're really saved. So in closing, I want to leave you with a couple of verses here. John 16, verses 13 through 14. This is Jesus Christ himself speaking. He says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. Jesus is saying that Holy Spirit will not speak of himself. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and those things will glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. The the one thing that discourages me the most about the charismatic movement or when I hear people say I had a dream or I had a vision or I heard God speak to me is most of the time the things that they say do not bring glory to Jesus Christ. They have nothing to do with salvation, the gospel, or his purpose. See, we have what Jesus says here about the Holy Spirit, and then we have what the charismatic movement says about the Holy Spirit. Which one are we going to listen to? I implore you, I beg you to be like Jesus. Young Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now maybe someone sent you this podcast today, and they sent it to you because you've had questions like this. I hope your question has been answered, but let me answer a more pressing question. Do you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die? Do you have 100% assurance that all your sin is paid, and that if you were to die today, you'd be absent from this body and present with the Lord? If you don't have that assurance, you can. Friend, John 3.16 says it all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You can have assurance today of your salvation right where you're sitting. Would you simply just put your trust in Jesus Christ? Believe that his death, burial, and resurrection was done for you, that he paid for your sin. If you do that, you're saved. Jesus says in John 5, 24, you're passed from death into life, and you'll never be brought into condemnation again. And once you are saved, you're saved forever. And now you should go study your Bible. And for those of you disciplined and seasoned Christians that are listening, you need to stay in your word. Don't get caught up in man's interpretation of the word. You need to make sure that you're studying the word for yourself. The same thing for this podcast. I do a lot of effort and research to make sure the verses I'm using are not out of context. And I encourage you to look at the verses I looked at today and rightly divide the word of truth. Thanks for listening to Bible Line. I'm your host, Pastor Jesse
0: Martinez, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As a thank you to our listeners, we want to give away a free Bible every month this year. To enter, send us an email with your Bible question. Our email address is questions at biblelineministries.org. Be sure to subscribe to the show and check back each Thursday for new episodes. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus is coming soon.